Welcome to Reflection of Kings. I'm Seth. And I'm Jabril. And we are a group of black boys that covers issues in our community. Today, we will be interviewing CEO of Equity Matters, Michael Scott. Hi, fellas. Thanks for having me. No problem. Can you tell us about yourself and your work? Sure. I, uh, <clears throat> I'm the son of the father of Michael, um, husband of Marissa, son of Paul and Roberta, grandson of uh, James and Gladys and James and Corlina. Uh, that James was born in 1861, before the Civil War, my biological grandfather. Uh, and they lived in the center of the Underground Railroad um, and been doing work about quietly building communities. So I view, you know, for a long time. So I view my work as trying to figure out how to do my part in that tradition. Um, I do that in a lot of different ways. I do it in business. I do it in nonprofit. Um, but it's all connected to that kind of work. Equity Matters is a nonprofit. I was um, encouraged to co-found because we were doing, I guess you would call it big picture work or systems thinking work, how all the stuff fits together to create um, opportunities or um, decrease opportunities to live healthy, wealthy, productive lives. And so that's the work that I still do. What made you want to do this career? Yeah. Um, I started out with my lineage and my family to call my ancestors' names to really um, center that I'm part of a chain of people doing this kind of work. It, they did it in different ways. But for me, um, that's, the, that's the consistent connection is, is, a, is a longer term um, lineage and history, right? So, but everybody's called to to their portion of that work in different ways. And so part of your life journey is figuring that out. Um, I knew I wanted to study uh, power and, and if our people um, had the sufficient power and resources that we need to thrive and to be, not just survive, but, but to be healthy and um, wealthy. And I needed to study to do that. Um, so I think, um, oftentimes when you're young, people expect you to have, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up kind of thing. But um, I think what you do in, in reality is you, you have a lot of hypotheses, a lot of, lot of things you think are going to work, and then you run out of wrong answers. So I would say that this career chose me as much as I chose it, that I had a lot of different um, – uh, and I would, I would never – because I never fail and I never lose. I either win or I learn. Uh, but never lose. And so I had a lot of different directions that I started in and one would lead to another, to another, to another, if you follow the path and you try to, you know, get the wisdom out of every experience. And so um, I, I would say that, that, that between my family lineage and my work experiences, the work that I do is, is a sum total of that. And it chose me versus me choosing it. Why should we take inequity more seriously? So you know how when you're sick, you have certain symptoms. You have a cough, you have a headache, 
the stomach ache, you feel bad. And that's the thing that gets your attention. But the question is, what's causing that? Because let's say you address the cough, or maybe you have a fever, you, you reduce the fever. Does that mean you don't, still don't have the underlying cause that's causing that symptom? You might still have it. That particular symptom may go away. So when you understand inequity, you're, you're trying to get what, at what they call a root cause, not the symptom, but the cause. So people talk about <clears throat> what's going on, for example, in this coronavirus, and they notice the outcomes, the disparities, that why are black people dying so prominently, so, 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 so much more frequently than all other people? Well, truth be told, that's the symptom. The cause is inequity. The question is, is why are they sick? Why are they dying? And we focus on things that um, are preventable, are unjust, and are avoidable. And those are inequities. Those are things that are man-made that have little to do with, I'm on a, I had to pause my, my aunt who doesn't understand that because she's old school was, 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 was beating me up on Facebook, blaming, you know, blaming those that, that don't have full control over that, those kinds of things. And I'm not trying to let them off the hook, but we often focus on blaming the victim and I don't want to victimize anybody or make anyone into a permanent victim but blaming those who have the least amount of power over the systems that drive their lives is something that we do well in America, uh, and, and especially the black and brown people. So our work is around in, in, in uncovering inequities, that stuff that's not their fault, that's not something that they can individually do, but it has to be done collectively or by policy. Uh, and, it, and it is also stuff that's man-made, unjust, avoidable, and preventable. So that's the difference between, for example, an inequity, something that's created, that is avoidable, unjust, and preventable, versus just the outcome or the symptoms, like the cough or the dying of people at, at a certain rate, and the reason that they're dying. So why are they dying? And if you, if you want to get to a, an inequity, one of the simplest tools in your toolbox is to ask why six or seven times. Why are they dying? Well, because they had pre-existing conditions. But why? Then, but why that? Then, but why that? And go all the way up. When you can't go anymore but why's, that's a root cause. And it's usually an inequity and man-made. What does the word equity mean to you? It means having the opportunity to, to live out your fullest uh, uh, potential. Um, it means that no one, is, um, no one can predict a negative outcome based on your uh, race, your, excuse me, while the sirens in Baltimore go by, um, but your race, your gender, your zip code, where you live, it, is that you have the fullest opportunity to produce, you know, outcomes. And, and, I'll, and I'll give you our formal definition, but I wanted to give it to you um, simply. It's, it's, 
and, 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 and another tool to ask um, is equity present here is when you look at an, a situation or, or a decision, you say, who has benefited from this that hasn't earned it? Who has burdened from this who hasn't deserved it? Equity means that everybody gets what they need to be able to fully succeed. It's not the same as equality. It doesn't mean equal. It means what's needed. What is the what is the differences between equity and equality? Well, that's kind of that's what I was getting at. There is that equality is everything being equal. I don't want to be equal to you, brother Seth, or the brother Jabril. Uh, not because I don't see us as equally valuable, important as human beings. I do believe in that. And in that sense, we are equal. But I want you both to have the opportunity to express your God-given talents to the extent of your ability and have them develop to the extent of your ability, not just equal to mine. You may be a brilliant scholar or orator or scientist or musician or athlete, whatever. And you ought to be, you ought to have the same opportunity to develop to your fullest potential as anybody else. That doesn't mean the exact same equal. So one is, one is to do with um, having the same equal resources. And one is to do having resources that you need. You ever see that, uh, you ever see that uh, diagram of, um, people trying to watch a baseball game, staring over a fence. And one, one person is, and they have three boxes. So one person is tall and they can just see over the fence. They don't need a box. And then the other person is really young and short. And he needs two boxes. And the other person is medium height. He needs one box. So um, the way the picture goes, Sometimes in society, the guy with the tall, that's already the tallest, he got all three boxes. Now that's un inequitable. Now sometimes they all have three boxes. I mean, I'm sorry, all have one box, but still one person's left out. The tall person doesn't need it, and the, and the middle person, you know, he, he gets what he needs. Equity would say, well, actually, the small person needs two boxes, the medium height person. My, needs the one, and the one that can already see over doesn't need any. That's that's the difference. If they if we were talking about equal, they would all get a box. If we talk about any uh, equity uh, or inequity, we give the box to those that need it. Y'all understand that? Yes. Why do you think black people were hit more harder with the by the coronavirus than any other race? Yeah, so people talk a lot about why we, we have, that we have pre-existing conditions. But again, I would say, but why? The but why is that we live in an, an, an inequitable society and people of color generally, black people in particular, have a higher burden of stress due to the inherent nature of racism in the country. So I'll give you an example. You can really see this at our most vulnerable points, old people or young people. I'm gonna choose young. So when a baby is in a mother's womb, that baby is the most vulnerable 
being on the planet, right? They can't eat for themselves. They can't think for themselves. yet. They're not even born yet. So what goes on in that mother's body is completely affects that infant. And how stressed the mother is completely affects that child being born when it's supposed to and how it's supposed to on time, healthy, with all the nutrients it needs to develop in the womb. What we know is that black women have a higher infant mortality, a baby death rate higher than, and I don't care if they're educated, if they have doctorates and lawyers and PhDs and are, and are, are MD doctors, if they exercise, they eat their, uh, eat right, they do their vitamins, they get rest, those women's babies die at a higher rate, even those highly educated ones that are doing everything right, than uneducated white women that drop out of high school who don't have a job. So what happens is there's something that's happening while that baby's in vitro in the womb. And what, the, what they thought was, that, well, maybe it's genetic. So they looked at African women. And African women actually have the birth outcomes of white women until they come to this country. And then within a certain amount of time, less than a generation, their, their, uh, their birth rates become what black America's birth rate is. So what they concluded was there was something about the experience of being a black woman, woman in this country, namely racism that was killing babies or shortening their chance of living before they were even born. So to answer the question is, that's an example of how stress in, in what we call is a big, I'm gonna give you a $10 word you can press your teachers. Allostatic, A-L-O-static, S-T-A-A, I'm sorry, S-T-A-T-I-C, allostatic load. That's a fancy word for your collection of stress and once your ball of stress gets big enough and constant enough everything changes your body stuff that may have been hidden in your genes that wasn't activated all of a sudden gets activated uh if you have some behaviors that might not have bothered you otherwise now they bother you um and then you keep you keep that on for a long time so it's like if you had two cars in a garage right and one car you took out, you drove, and you changed the, the oil and, and, and gas on a regular basis, let it turn off and turn off. The other car, you just kept on, you put a brick on the, on, the, uh, on the accelerator and left the car on and just fed it gas. Never changed the oil, just kept it running. And you let that car run for a year. And you let the other car, now which car, which of those cars would be healthy? The one that's news normally, where it goes on and off, or the one that's always on? It's an obvious answer, right? Yes. Yes. So that's what chronic stress does to our bodies. It keeps them on. When, when you're stressed, in our biology, you have a, a, a chemical that's released called cortisol. It's the fight or flight mechanism. So you need it in a certain circumstance where your life may be in danger. It hypes you up. If you ever get you know, in sports or if you ever get scared or situation, car accident or something like that, you, you get real hype, right? Your heart rate, well, your cortisol releases. So when you're stressed, little amounts of cortisol release. 
And it's okay if you like that first car and you cut on and off. It, it accelerates, it, it, it warms up, you drive it, and then you, it goes down. If you're chronically stressed, it's like that second car. It stays on all the time, and it starts to destroy your body. And then we call that allostatic load. So what that means is that all black people are high, have higher pre-existing conditions. And so when you add the lack of health care, um, racism within health care, people can't get tests, they're told to go home, all kinds of things. And all of these things lead up to um, the outcomes that you're seeing. But they're root causes, not just the symptoms. How can we address inequity? Uh, the simple answer is you uh, is culture and power. That's the simple answer. So culture is how we define culture, which is a form of power. Your culture is your, your way of being, your way of living. It is also that thing you reach to, that practice, that tradition that you either inherited or developed yourself with other people. Um, these people that have been disconnected from some traditions need to need to need to take clues that they can find from the past and restart it, right? But culture is that thing that when when the world or life knocks the wind, y'all ever had the wind knocked out of you? Yes. In sport, yeah. yes. So right. when life when life knocks the wind out of you, what do you got? You got You need a minute, right? Catch your breath. Yes. Yes. So, so culture is the thing that helps you catch your breath. It's also not just the thing that restores you when you get your wind knocked out of you. It's the thing. It's your joy. It's, the, it's your hype. It's when it's it's, it's your your people, your, your family, your boys, your, your homies, your girls. Whatever, whatever gives you happiness and joy, that's, that's culture. That, that thing, what you reach for when you're in trouble, when you get the wind knocked out of you, it's also the thing that you reach for when you want to share some good news or have a laugh or, or celebrate, right? That's culture. So culture, rooting ourselves in culture intentionally protects us and restores us uh, and is a form of power. Now, the other piece, as I said, is power. And that's, the, that's being able to, you know, build your will, your collective charge to influence your environment, your family, yourself, um, your community. Um, and, and you have to learn to build that power. Has a, that's another long lesson for another day, a lot of different forms. That's my two short answers. Culture and power. And culture is a form of power. I want to thank you, Mr. Scott, for coming out and letting us talk to you in this interview. And I want to thank the viewers that are watching us. I'm Jabril. I'm Seth. And we are from Reflection and Kings. And thank you for watching. I appreciate you guys. Thank you. Thank you.